0: Hello I'm Steph Douglas and welcome to the Don't Buy Her Flowers podcast. We survived the Easter holidays, they are always much longer than I'm expecting somehow. Um, The sun is coming though, I think, and it does feel a lot better um I think just everyone needs to get out of winter we had a good break lots of family time quite a lot of chocolate we stayed pretty local the kids did some activity clubs some days we could work um actually all three of them went to rugby camp together for a couple of days which meant my five-year-old was hanging out with his 12 year old brother and his friends I dread to think what he saw and heard I have heard snippets of it and I'm basically waiting for a teacher to ask if they can have a word with me <laughs> um but hey they had a good time and we worked so it's not all bad i'm sure it's all fine this is just the um joy of having an age gap where he's going to be heavily influenced by his older siblings Um, Okay, so this is a business episode, and we're doing these monthly at the moment. I have some brilliant guests lined up to discuss relationships and overwhelm and all the juicy rush hour topics. I'm just focusing on Don't Buy Her Flowers at the moment. It's definitely a strange time. If you follow lots of small businesses on Instagram, which I do, You'll have seen there are lots of people and businesses announcing their closure every week at the moment. Um, so, we're staying focused and positive. And obviously, if you're looking for thoughtful gifts for loved ones or at work, which is a big area of growth for us, kind of corporate gifting, have a look at don'tbuyherflowers.com or just get in touch with me. It's always good to hear from people. Um, but today's guest actually has some really clear points about focus and also responding to what your customer wants. Sarah Rossi, also known as Taming Twins on social media, has a massive following on Instagram and TikTok and she casually mentions the millions of views she gets to her website every month, which I don't think she even realises how good that is. Um, I met Sarah back in 2014 and she was a food blogger and she had a bakery where she taught cupcake decorating. And she's also very funny with a very infectious laugh. Um, But she is a real grafter and has steadily plugged away at it. And then she describes how in the last 12 months it's kind of catapulted the growth and reach. Um, She published her first book called What's For Dinner and it's genuinely very good. My kids all like recipes from it, which is all I'm looking for basically, something that I can give to all three. Um, And actually Mabel's 10 and loves cooking and she could follow some of the recipes herself, which is great if someone else can cook for me, even better. Um, and it's in our book selection at Don't Buy Her Flowers too. if you want to include it in a gift for someone. The biggest change that happened um, that Sarah talks about is just completely focusing on what people actually wanted and what would help them. And it's a brilliant reminder for anyone with a business. It seems really obvious, but it's so easy to get distracted by other things. And her story just shows how crucial it is. We talk about working with friends as well. Uh, We both work with our best mates and also how strategic she's been with her use of SEO and display ads, focusing her strategy. This episode is sponsored by HR Star, who supports small businesses with HR, including mine. And I'll talk about it in a bit, but for now, let's get started with the very lovely Sarah.
1: Hello. Hi. I meant to print out the list and I couldn't make the printer work. So I've got it on my phone, but I'll just, I'll just listen Don't to Don't worry. Anyway. This is just, it's just, well, do you know what? So the other
0: day, I think, did I message you to say that when Doug and I went to Lauren Hill at Blenheim Palace um <laughs> it's felt weird but you know like an iPhone memory this one came up and it was from when we went to see Lauren Hill and it was me and Doug going like oh there's us at the hotel and there's us at night and then you popped up <laughs> oh but that was the last time I think I saw you in it was, proper person yeah, that well it? it is your Instagram and your well just all of it is just blown up and it was like really steady growth and you're really solid in what you were doing and then the last year or so you've got like 349,000 followers on Instagram and massive TikTok following and it's kind of you've got a whole massive long history towards what you're doing now but I think when I very first met you you had a blog which was the Taming Twins blog which you still have effectively that's your kind of platform And you had a bakery and you were teaching cupcake decorating? Yeah. Cupcakes were big, right?
1: Yeah, they were. They just had had that big surge. I feel like maybe it was after Sex and the City and the Magnolia Bakery Cupcake. And also when um, the Great British Bake Off was just at its height. And I just had always had a dream of baking cakes as we, you know, we all have these dreams. And I, I had this moment in my career and other situations where I could make that happen. And so I started baking cakes for weddings and then I started teaching classes. And I quickly realised that the teaching classes was a much more profitable business. And I loved it. I really enjoyed it. Lots of other things were happening in my personal life. Like I was going through IVF and then amazingly got pregnant with twins. And I'd been working from home with that business and I decided to move into a premises. And the business was growing. I think I already had maybe two or three people working for me so they were amazing and they were really supportive and they helped me to make space to be able to do that but in hindsight which obviously is great I probably wouldn't have done quite so much at the same time but I did get pregnant and I did have two children so it was amazing so then the children were really young so I was running this cake decorating business from a really lovely premises we had a great customer base very loyal and I loved the business, but I totally underestimated what running a growing business would take, as well as having very young children and two of them. And my then husband was away quite a lot. And it was just a really big juggle. And for some reason at that point, I thought, wow, I should start a blog as well <laughs> because I don't have enough. So you had the business
0: first and then you added the blog
1: had the business I was busy with the business and the kids and I think maybe I thought the blog was like a creative outlet and I thought this would be something that was you know for me and separate but
0: which I totally get because I think for me that's probably the podcast or writing all those things are because yeah. the business can be all consuming as well as the kids obviously and you're having to think about lots of other people as well, especially if you're building a team and you're growing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a different and thing.
1: Customers, you're thinking. I was thinking about customers all the time because I wanted to give them this great customer experience. So I think the blog was somewhere in my brain. I was thinking this is a creative outlet. And also that a funny thing happens when you have twins. Everybody wants to know about having twins. And I guess I had a lot to say about it because I... I felt like actually I was, I was so organised and I'd found this way of making my life work, which essentially was just to be really organised. And I thought, oh, I've got something useful to share here. I could share this. So that's how it started.
0: So we were writing at the similar time. So I think I started a blog. Well, you'd already been doing it for a few years at that point, probably. And that world that we knew, which is how we met, I think the food lot that you would have been part of, I don't know. Was it very competitive?
1: Because the because I was in more the kind of writing group. I think there was a moment where I started the blog to write about how I was kind of surviving and thriving while having twins. And I realized that actually you know, for me, because I love food and it's a big part of my life and my comfort, to be kind of organized with my my feeding muscle was really helping. So I wrote one or two recipes and then my business brain kicked in. And I thought, hang on a minute, like this, this is much easier to get traction and write about. So obviously, somewhere in the back of my head, I'm unable to just do something for fun, just for a creative outlet, because there was something going on where I was thinking, actually, this is a lot easier than being funny, and a lot more like useful, there was something around that that was going on somewhere. And I guess I just gradually gravitated towards that content because of that and as I say that was the that was easy family-friendly food was what was making a difference in my life at that point so it came very naturally to write about that so just to finish the the earlier question about the business I'd had it for three years and my lease was up and I just thought the business wasn't scalable because it needed me to be there like just too much when I was having young children and it's really taught me about one of the first questions even when you can't even imagine it happening but to think about how your business is scalable because if it's relying on you that business has always got a you know it's always finite isn't it um it's really taught me that so at that point someone who worked for me wanted to buy the business and I was like this is my opportunity to make a change here and yeah, with hindsight, I would always think about how a business is scalable, which obviously, if it's online, which that business wasn't, it was in person, it's slightly easier to do that. So like for, for that business to be really profitable, it needed me to be there teaching at least a few days a week. You know, looking back in hindsight now, I think you have seasons of your life, don't you? And having very young twins was not an ideal time for me to be present in a new growing business it wasn't new but as in it had an expansion growing business at that point
0: well and sometimes that's where you look at what other people are doing you think well how are they doing that they're running a business and they're writing a book and they're attending this event and it's like you you just can't do that I think and maybe that's what the joy of, I can't, who was I listening to? I think I was listening to Lenny, um, Jesse Ware's mum on Table Manners, and her and Carol Baldwin were just saying, I just don't give a fuck. Like you get to a point in your life where you can, and maybe we're hopefully heading that way. When I mean, you go like, that might be great yeah. for someone else, but I can't do that and stay sane
1: and also i get a lot more selfish like selfish sounds like a really negative word but it's not is it you know i think what like who is this serving because at that point when that business ended or i sold the business i was so worried about my customers i was thinking oh my you know these people love coming here and i'm going to let them down and now i think actually i need a, a business and a life that serves me and makes me feel good long term because like, otherwise what are we all doing here yeah and i i just try and think what is actually making me feel good long term a lot more now and even even more recently like it's really easy to get caught up in something growing and growing isn't it and sometimes I try like every maybe three months I try and take a step back I think right what how do I want this to look in the coming months and why because I just want to do more and more and more and I have to think is this making me feel good and that's what happened with that business and it still happens to me all the time now. So then Taming Twins became the focus
0: so, this was obviously family friendly recipes, growing your platform on Instagram. And you'd had loads of, you were big on Pinterest as well, right?
1: <laughs> so, the blog started to grow, and I was getting a, a bit more views and traction on the website. And I kind of had this vague understanding of the fact that you could make money from a website. There were a lot of big American food bloggers who were making money from display ads on their site. So, you know, when you go and see a retargeting ad on your site. So you've looked at shoes, you know, or bins or I don't know, something, something really boring months ago, a week ago, a month ago. And you see it on a website and they were making money from these ads on their site. And I, there was something in my brain that was thinking, oh, Maybe there's like something to this because we're all shopping more online. And so in line with that, a couple of other things happened. I had one blog post. This is like one blog post, which is a a cream egg cheesecake, which. Uh, Which
0: I've made. (laughs) Me and Mabel made it. It is so good. Is that your most popular recipe ever?
1: It's not now, but it was then. And it was the first moment where I thought, wow, this is like really big. So it had something like on the website, something like a million views over just a couple of weeks, which at that point I was probably having 50,000 views a month. So to have a million views in a month was like off the charts. I mean, now I have like over that every month, which is insane, but... Yeah it was just a moment where everything grew it was a real boost having viral posts does bring good and bad it's not always good you get um well then you're chasing it right you're chasing it and also people often aim for like viral posts on social media but what happens is you you then gain a lot of followers that really want I don't know a cheesecake in my case or whatever it was and if you're not then Putting out cheesecakes all the time. Are those followers actually like your tribe that you're trying to attract? So there's some of that as well. You also do get a lot of like trolls and things when you have a viral post saying, you know, hate cream eggs or <laughs> something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you. Do you get much abuse? I think I get a lot less than most people. I don't share a lot of my life online anymore. I did. So when we I first started the blog, I shared loads, and then I got divorced and thought. I don't want to talk about this online and also I shouldn't because it's not just my situation and I made a massive shift then that I just don't really talk about my life personally too much in some ways it's a shame because I really love those moments of connection but I guess but I
0: think the way that you present and talk you're very you who I've met like you're very natural and so you're not kind of hi here we are today and (laughs) You're very you when you do it, or or you'll add in silly bits or comments, or if something slops over the side of the bowl, you don't go, oh, God.
1: I try and be really honest. I do like ask me anything, maybe once a month. You know, I try and give really truthful answers. I think there's a difference between that and documenting a lot of your life outside. And also, people are with me for the food. Like they Do they want to see my kids in a park? I don't know, maybe they do. I think... I see it with
0: like some of the interiors kind of bloggers and, and content creators and food. It's like, it's really clear what you do. So people can't be too funny about, you know, if you're not going in suddenly slipping into politics, you don't, maybe you don't feel a pressure to have to respond to everything that's going on in the world.
1: Like other people do, if they slightly more vague in what they do. Yes, that's true. And so part of it is having some boundaries personally. But like, as you say, I think if, if I'm running the website now as a business, it's very clear what you're getting when you come to me, which is food with a you know a sprinkling of who I am as well. So your strategy to go for the
0: display ads, I've heard you on another podcast talking about like SEO being a really big focus. And I think it's just quite interesting because I think people will think that to get the kind of following that you get, that it kind of magically happens. And obviously, this is years of working towards it, but also you've been really strategic in the last year. It sounds as if you've kind of paused and gone, right, this is what I have to do. And I suppose there's a difference to someone who has a massive following, but they came off the back of Love Island or something. I mean, you, you should do that, but <laughs> you've missed that boat. Um, but like, people doing that and having this massive following whereas what you've you're working like it's a it, like you said it's a business so investing in seo understanding seo because you have made a decision to use display ads rather than loads of sponsorship right mm-hmm. so that did. that didn't affect what you were posting which i think is a massive decision because it would be easier i imagine to take the sponsorship
1: yes and my income streams at different times have been display ads and then sponsored work so either on instagram or on the blog And obviously now I'm writing books as well. And then obviously external work where I go and, you know, I'm in someone else's foodie video. So I did do a lot of sponsored work. I didn't enjoy it. I don't think, I mean, I don't know about you, but seeing sponsored posts on Instagram, I think people don't love them. So I was always very conscious to not put them out too often and be very selective about them.
0: It makes me think of Monica in Friends with the Mocklet. (laughs) it's one (laughs) percent I think that's the thing sometimes sometimes you'll see people talking about sponsorship going, you know it's really hard And it's like but the money it can be crazy like it can be huge chunks of money that to earn 10 grand or 15 grand through display ads and work is a lot harder and takes a lot more time but you wanted to build something that was more lasting
1: The difference with the display ads is that someone's looking for, in my case, someone's looking for a recipe. So someone goes on and types in lemon drizzle cake. They find my recipe. They're getting what they want. And their visit is also making me one pence. So it's cost them nothing and they've got what they want. So it is like a win win. The sponsored stuff on Instagram, for example, or TikTok it's like watching an advert, isn't it? It's like going and actually watching a full advert, which we all hate hated on TV, didn't we? I was gonna say, hate, are they still on? Yeah, they are, I guess, but I only watch Netflix these days. So I never see an advert. Um I think I think there's pluses and minuses for both. And I think just for me, the display ads feel better because I feel like I'm not having to sell something hard all the time. I do still do some sponsored posts, but I'm just really selective and I just choose I don't know. For example, if I'm using tin tomatoes in a recipe and there's a brand that I really like, and they approach me, I may as well place it. Like that's that's still giving something useful to my audience, and that's the kind of at the heart of everything I try and do online, which is just to give something really useful to my audience for free, whether that's an ad or whether that's a recipe on the site or whether that's a a reel of me spilling <laughs> spilling cheese everywhere or something in. It's like free content that's useful or maybe vaguely funny when it's spilling something.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or oh, when the dog, there's the great one of the dog
1: eating the ham. Was it a ham oh, at Christmas? When he ate the ham. <laughs> 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 yeah, it was a Christmas video. And I was, um, you, you know, one of those like magic moments online that you could not have planned. And I'd set up this beautiful shot and the children in the back. This ham is so good as well. It's like sl- cooked in the slow cooker, Insider, I can just smell it now. It's so good. You cook it in the slow cooker and then you take it out and then you put like honey over it and you bake it in the oven. It's all crispy and crunchy and delicious. This gorgeous, steaming, hot, crunchy, delicious ham I put <laughs> on the table. The tree was in the background and then you could just see me. And so what I do when obviously I just set this stuff up and then I obviously film... You know longer and and trim them, so I had obviously pressed play, a play record rather, and had gone to the sink, I think to get a knife to cut it or something, and in that time, then you can just hear in the video Harriet, my daughter saying. Archie's oh, eating the ham! And the dog had got on the table, but because of the camera angle, his nose was right in the camera. And you could just hear, you could just hear his the joy sloppy. in this ham. Yeah. And honestly, yeah I swear, whenever I cook a ham now, he knows about it. He's there's obviously some like memory in his <laughs> in his nose. He just, you know, just beside himself. Anyway, it's a very funny moment. And it was one of those moments on social media where I needed to put this video out. Actually, and do you know what I did actually film the end bit and cut the bit that the dog had eaten off. But uh and then I decided to go behind the scenes and the behind the scenes video was like people just absolutely loved it. And I for me it just epitomized the whole we all want Christmas to be perfect and this is the reality and you know, it's not always quite like that. So yeah, that was a nice no. moment of humanity in a video. It was but, and also the
0: kid, they, you've had videos with the kids doing recipes and I love them because that connection between them and the way they are with each other, the up, light slide side eye or all that stuff is so
1: lovely. Yeah, it's really it's nice really when good. they're trying to punch each other and I have it out. <laughs>
0: I'd rather watch that than two really twee kids who are just like, here you go, brother. And here
1: you go, sister. I don't want to see that. That That just makes me feel bad. (laughs) So I don't really show them much online anymore at all. When I do, I try and ask them and say, is this okay? That was last summer when I spoke to them and said, I've asked my audience on Instagram what they would like to see over the coming months. And they said that they wanted recipes to make with kids because it's the school holidays people want something to do so I spoke to George and Harriet my twins about it and I said I just wondered whether you would want to be involved like you don't have to do it whatever but it might be a fun thing for us to do because they really like cooking as well and then we did it and then I think it was one of them actually had a really good idea it's like a summer cookery course for kids so there's 10 recipes we even had that little certificate made that the kids could print out at the end of the summer and also obviously as a parent you get dinner cooked one night which is amazing we said if you found this useful and you can afford it we'd really like to ask for donations to Fair Share who are a charity who collect food waste and then prepare meals for people who maybe would have been missing a meal during that summer holiday and they raised like um over a thousand pounds or something and it was they were really proud of themselves so I think in that case it they were really happy to be online and yes they definitely weren't like neat scripted videos of children cooking but
0: and do they do they critique your food because my kids as they've got older like I did a roast chicken on Sunday (laughs) and Buster was like actually this is better than yours dad I think yours last time was a bit dry and they do like like a proper and I yeah but it's quite brutal Doug sitting at the end of the table just looking a little bit forlorn it's so brutal they What was your secret? I don't know. Well, I cook it upside down with Ooh, a load of veg underneath. Hang on, let me make some notes of, for my next book. And a, and a centimetre, yeah, you can have this, and a centimetre <laughs> of water in the bottom. And it makes it very, sorry to use the word, but moist. Yeah, oh! It's, it's, <laughs> it's um, an Amelia Freer recipe. So it doesn't have, you don't have to add loads of butter or anything like that, but it's good and it, and it goes really crispy. It's Do you great. put anything on it? But, few herbs a bit of
1: thyme That's some nice. salt
0: and then carrots and onion lemon garlic stuff all stuffed in I it, feel but,
1: like a roast yeah, chicken is a true Moment of family love, isn't it? There's something about yeah. it, every think. week,
0: we do one every week at some point, and also it doesn't. I, th- I thought it was really complicated from when we were kids. Oh. I don't know why. I think my mum must have always kind of, but it's really not,
1: is it? You put it in and then take it out. You literally That's do, kind of it. In the summer, I quite yeah. like it was like bread and salad and stuff as well. It's yeah, so easy. and there's just something yeah. really wholesome about it. It makes you feel like you've done a really, really yeah. great supper you know but you've just
0: thrown it in it makes you feel good about the smiley faces and the fish fingers yeah yeah especially during
1: the summer and stuff like that
0: yeah this business episode is sponsored by hr star a hr consultancy who can offer businesses support and their aim is actually to reinvent the poor reputation of hr they say that hr are not just the department bought into hire or fire and they want to help you with people who are your number one priority because without the people you don't have a business At Don't Buy Her Flowers we started working with HR Start a couple of years ago when the business had grown to the point that we needed to be really clear on workplace policies and how we look after the team but we weren't of the size where we would have a permanent HR person in house. I think when you're growing a business and there's so much going on it's just really helpful to have experts to run things by so we know we're doing the right thing, um, help with the admin of contracts and that kind of thing and creating a business where you're proud to employ people working with HR experts who actually know what they're doing. So if you visit hr-star.co.uk for more information, and if you contact them and quote DBHF, they'll give you 10% off their people strategy session.
1: But do your kids critique your cooking? Yeah, they do. They do. We went through a phase where George was giving me a rating out of 10 every night, and he would say on Instagram, and he'd say things to me like, "Mummy, um, do you think your followers would like to know my view on this?" <laughs> oh, what have I done here? Um, and then he'd give a rating, and he was harsh. He was really harsh. And then actually, so my first book came out in February, and I've got the which we should mention.
0: What's for dinner? And it's brilliant. And actually, oh, you kids, you. it's not a kids' cookery book, but there, my daughter Mabel has cooked at least three things from it.
1: Really. They're all really easy recipes. And so the first book is called um, what's for dinner and every recipe is in ready in 30 minutes and then the second one that I've just been testing is coming out in September and it's what's for dinner in one pan so every dinner is just like oh, a complete I love one pan in yeah. one pan so because Brilliant. those are two those two books have come out really quite close together I have been basically spent the last year just recipe testing so my children have just been so like they think every night there's a buffet of like five or six different dishes and they'll literally go through and be like "Mm, that's a no from me it's got cooked peppers in but actually do you know what I just think it's so useful and I do really listen to them because I just think if I'm living that every night, everybody else in the country is, as oh, well as any the other pressures of life. It
0: really bothers me as well. When you go, and I suppose you're supposed to expose the kids to loads of different stuff, but you know when you go out for a roast or something and they put loads of like red cabbage and parsnips and my five-year-old's just not going to eat that. Oh, and I'm it's fine. like, <laughs> I know, but there's a balance between expo- like giving them stuff, but also when it's a kid's meal. But I think you're, But it's really easy to if there is something in that you think, oh, they're not going to eat that. It's really easy to tailor it. But actually, like I did the Cajun chicken and rice dish. Delicious. Everyone ate it. That's what I want. I want to cook something that all three of them will eat. And Doug and I I I can enjoy as well.
1: I had really long discussions in my first book and my second book with. HarperCollins our publisher where we would have like urgent meeting and I'd say I just need to check I've got 12 recipes with peas in is this too many and we'd go through this whole debate and I'd be like you know I just think peas are what kids eat like it's it's I'd rather put peas in 12 recipes than put kale which they are not going to eat and it's really interesting this has like been a whole new world for me of publishing where people publish on the whole, recipe books that are new and different and have some kind of interesting niche or angle. And I was like, no, I just want to write a book that everybody, everybody can use every night without thinking about it and know that their family will eat it. When HarperCollins first approached me and I wrote, I didn't actually have to do a book proposal, which was amazing because they approached me, but I did do a page of, this is why this book is needed and I really talked about the fact that it's not it's not the time we spend in the kitchen as busy families parents whatever it's the thinking about the food like you know when you get to four o'clock and you've got the school run and the homework and the clubs and you just can't quite find the mental space to think about dinner And that's the bit that I really try and connect with, which for me is much more than what the recipe is. It's all the things surrounding it. Like, are there difficult ingredients that I can't get hold of in Aldi? You know, are my children going to eat it? Do I have to chop a lot of things for this recipe? Because like, I do not feel like that at six o'clock, do you? All of those things. So it's like the thinking around all of those things that I've I've tried to solve in those books.
0: But, and you said as well that your your shift in that, this last kind of year is where you've gone to what do my customers, essentially, what do they need from me? How can I help them rather than what do I want to put out? And I think that works across all business, like is completely, yeah. completely relevant for everything.
1: For what was it that made you go, hang on a minute? Um, <laughs> you, know, you know, you're talking about like when we, you and I first started, there was a whole... world of Instagram it was just totally different wasn't it you know you just put a picture out and loads of people liked it and that was it and I felt like I'd never quite nailed how to grow I mean I don't know whether you find this but like you try different things in business and you put things out there and some work and some don't and for me I just for a long time I felt like I just wasn't like something wasn't quite connecting on social media it just wasn't quite I knew that this stuff I was making was really good but it just wasn't quite coming across. And actually what happened was, so not, where are we, 2021, at the end of autumn of 2021. So I was never desperate to write a book, but I got approached by three really big publishing companies. And one of them said to me, we really want to, want you to write a book, but we need you to have more social media followers. So that was in the autumn. And I thought, I don't even want to write a book. And then I was like, oh, this is a really big company. This is like a once in a lifetime thing. You know, <laughs> this this sounds like quite a lot of work, but OK. And I just I guess something just like kicked into gear for me that I thought, right, this is my moment. I can make this work. <clears throat> so I looked at what I was doing and actually and I know you do this a lot. You talk to customers a lot, don't you? But I went to my audience and said, like, what is it you're really struggling with? What is it you need? What can I do to help? You have to like really remove your ego from your online presence to be able to do that. I mean, you know, because you're opening yourself up to people saying, well, I don't want what you're making or giving me online now. And I think like that applies across any business. So I did that and I asked a lot of questions and people were so open and helpful and I was really grateful. And I looked at all these answers and I thought people just want to know what's for dinner every night, (laughs) hence the book name. Um, and I thought there's just something missing here. You know, you can go and buy a thousand recipe books, but if you've still got to answer all of these questions, which we've just talked about, about, you know, are my children going to eat this? How long? I listened to everybody and I really honed out, honed in on what I could provide to answer those questions. So I say I help busy people answer what's for dinner. And then basically from that point on everything I did was trying to meet that need, answer that question. So even down, and and it was at the time when reels on Instagram were just kind of growing. So I even, I started to film reels. I think I'd done them before, but they were just in a slightly different style. So I started to film very quick reels that were very useful, because if we're busy, we don't want to watch like a two minute video of how to make a recipe. Very quick reels, very accessible recipes that were, just to- just really manageable for weeknights and things. And then communicating that in a similar way, which is that people could watch them and quite quickly see what was going on. And it just started to grow. And I thought, wow, this is what I've been missing for all of these years. Just literally giving people what they want and what they need in their life. It's so much easier to sell something when you're meeting a need that's already there. You're selling to people who want something, you're helping them, which for me, is just, like, the key to this. Um, like, my like the book, it's much easier to sell a book when I'm answering a problem that people have already got. Like, your gift boxes and everything, like, you 100% met a need that you had seen and experienced and went out and made the product that people actually needed. I just, that blows my mind that that hadn't occurred to me for the 10 years before that.
0: <laughs> <But> yeah, <laughs> yeah, 10 years on. No, but that's really interesting because there'll be loads of people that don't have like kind of going why? how is it why is she so successful or looking at other people and going how are they getting that right and it's actually probably that's what they're doing whether they've intentionally worked that out or not because sometimes people have stumbled across something haven't they without Mm. really thinking it through but just that pausing and going oh what
1: is it that people actually want I think it's really easy to look especially when you're running a business online it's really easy to look at what everybody else is doing and think well they're doing that and getting loads of likes so I should do that or whatever um but for me it's just all about my audience and providing something that's genuinely useful to them the other thing that happens is when you treat your audience like that in a really like considered respectful way you're building like a mutually beneficial relationship so they're asking for something I'm giving it to them in my case it's free as well for me it's just such a positive way to build an audience because well also because you've got to work
0: really hard right and you don't want it to feel like a flog you don't want to feel like you're constantly flogging something so if you're doing something that actually benefits people in some way or they need it's not the same you're not having to flog you're not just kind of going oh there's this thing i'm trying to make you do or buy or which just i don't know if you're a certain kind of person you're never going to feel good about are you no
1: and also it kind of runs out steam doesn't it it's hard
0: yeah so you work with one of your best friends, Anna, yeah. two of my best mates work with me and my brother. And it's really interesting that people kind of say, well, don't work with people that you know really well. I always yeah. wonder like, how that is for you as well. I think it's got to be certain personalities, but I had a call with one of the girls last night that's about like personal stuff. So we can do that and then we can switch and there'll be a separate call maybe or a separate WhatsApp that's about work stuff. And I think I heard you talking about Anna and you were talking about kind of the respect you have for each other. And there's something in that. Like we do different roles. They do different roles to me and they respect the fact that I'm the boss, even though I don't walk around going, well, you know, it's my, do, my little You a
1: special highway.
0: But equally, I know what they do really well. Like Hannah does customer services amazingly. Pam does, manages the warehouse amazingly. But yeah, how does it work with you and Anna?
1: it started slightly by accident that Anna was doing like some virtual assistant work and the lady that had been helping with my Facebook page was just finishing. And I said, look, you know, we could just see how this goes and she was great at it. And it's kind of grown from there. And then because I have been doing so much recipe testing and I'm obviously filming these reels all the time, I said, you know, you could maybe come and give me a hand and we'll see how that goes. And just from the start it was amazing so it was quite organic kind of gave it a trap because like you say everybody says don't do this don't they everybody says don't work with friends and family and certainly over the last year of writing the books I have been like so busy we talked about having a season of having babies this has been my season of like making this thing grow and really work and I have put in so many hours and so much energy and I Obviously, I couldn't have done that on my own. But certainly having someone working with me who also cares about me, not that employ- an employee I didn't know wouldn't care. but there's No, definitely- it's different, though.
0: They're in it, right? She's in it with you. Like, she wants the success for she cares you and about, for yeah. her.
1: She yeah. obviously cares that it's a success on a personal level as well, and she knows what it means to me. And also, she knows what I've sacrificed on a very personal level in a way that other people wouldn't she knows what I've sacrificed to be at this point and the struggles that go along with it and I think oh it's making me a bit weepy sorry oh, <laughs> oh. I think, yeah it's so lovely and I think that that gives the working relationship just a slightly different balance I think you have to both be willing to be respectful of each other in your roles which is what you're saying isn't it and I just have immense gratitude for what she has allowed me to do as in giving me the space to do what I've been doing and I tell her all the time and I I think that's really important as well just even though you're still like really good friends
0: to have the it's funny though isn't it that's a it's a funny so one of my friends Hannah um hates Feedback, like she just, she like if well, you say this is amazing, good, no, yeah, good feedback. She hates good feedback. She just burns up. She goes really, <laughs> really. She like, oh. she tries to dismiss
1: it. I think she needs it, and I think she does like it. But she doesn't know how to take it. Do you think maybe sometimes when people find it difficult to take it's because they haven't had a lot of that positive feedback? Maybe,
0: maybe you know, she doesn't know how good she is. Yeah. She's brilliant at customer. She's brilliant at working with our B2B clients and people love her. So it is fun. It's funny how she hates that. But as her boss, I need to give that feedback. Like I want her to know that she's doing a great job, as well as as her friend, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't really think of myself as her boss. Like we talk, we're a team, but it's part of my role is to make sure that people in their jobs feel valued and all that stuff, isn't it? So it'd be really easy yeah. not to because we're so close and I could kind of not say those things. But I, I need to
1: yeah I think that's really important I think you know when it's 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 not you it's not me that make these things happen like there's a whole team isn't there going on and I think yeah I'm just so grateful to the people who work with me that that one I really like them all what (laughs) what a dream is that and I'm just so grateful for the work they put into I just think it's really important to feed that back a lot I think as well like you're talking about giving like very heartfelt and so am I very heartfelt genuine like examples of when someone has done something really well that's very different to like sickly sweet kind of platitudes isn't it um and I think if you can just be genuinely really honest with the people that you work with and I as I say we're friends but I we still haven't lost that. I still think it's really important that I remind her of how grateful I am for the work she's put in, and I am. So yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, we love Anna and Hannah. They're doing very well. And what you, you've mentioned, like it's been really tough. And I just, I, I'd heard you on another podcast mention kind of burnout and overwhelm. Um, and I think it's worth touching on because I think for anyone who runs a business, but probably especially women the stage of life that we're at and you're also juggling family and all that other stuff what's it been like
1: uh, yeah it has been really tough <laughs> I mm-hmm. I wake up every day and think oh my and this is like a dream isn't it I think I'm so grateful for my job I love doing this job but then there's another there's a there's a really annoying part of my brain that just won't let me stop <laughs> like you know if you're the sort I, think, I bet you're like this as well I can just imagine that's this probably you're why got... you're successful yeah maybe where you always got too many ideas and not enough time um so I'm really grateful I love my job but I also managed to totally exhaust myself continually by having like too many ideas and wanting to say yes to everything which obviously is really hard so I think for me writing the book's like testing so if you think each book has got 100 new recipes in they've probably all been tested I don't know six times all of those recipes we have been testing all of those and then running the business of putting new content out on my site so we put two new recipes a week out on the site as well that's just like like those two things together are more hours than I have available in the week so it just doesn't add up but somehow I've managed to make it add up and I'm really glad I have I've only been able to do that because of the team that work for me because of my husband and and actually my ex-husband having and, and my, if I'm really honest I don't know whether I could have done this if I hadn't have had a divorce so I'm not advocating that as a method of running a business <laughs> okay write one right, down got no, it I'm certainly yeah t- tips for business get a divorce no I'm <laughs> not but I have two days a week where my children are with their father right okay like two yeah days a week yeah. where I can work and i just think it's important that i'm really honest like you can only achieve what you can in the time you've got but i have filled that time so significantly over the last year that it has been really hard
0: have you got a horizon of how you can change that so that it doesn't just continue in that cycle
1: yeah so um every say every like 3 months i sit down and think how do i want this to look for the next 3 months and obviously there's been a huge period of growth for me on social media but my core business so so 80% of my income is still from traffic from google and display ads and that is a very sort of stable income and it's producing income while i sleep while i do nothing so someone searches and finds a recipe they go to the website i make the money and so more recently i've i have to think What's driving the traffic? Google. So that needs to be my focus, which really is the core of what a a content based website is, which is just putting out really good recipes twice a week. So and also, you know what it's like when you get on social media and you start to put the videos out and they're doing well, it's very easy to get very drawn into that as like perceived success. I have to ask myself: Is that actually success? What? Well, what is... and
0: also Instagram is one platform, right? And you, you said yeah, yeah. about that as well. It's like, but by having kind of the SEO strategy and the content and the book, you're spreading yourself more than just on one platform, which I think exactly. is a risk. that I've seen loads of people who are our peers who started businesses around the same time. I've seen loads of people put it all into Instagram, and it makes yeah. me really nervous for them because you you need to spread it out.
1: Yeah. And I love the community on Instagram, but also I got to say, I I was posting seven days a week. That is a huge amount of content. So I was posting, I was doing the book testing. I was posting seven days a week because I love it. I'm posting recipes to the blog twice a week and then answering all those queries. So I have someone who helps me answer queries on Instagram now as well. She's amazing Miranda, but I just don't think it's great for my life for me to be on Instagram for two hours a day. And also I don't think it's, makes business sense either so I've had a slight regroup and thinking actually my focus for the next six months needs to be to put really good content on out on the site as my like that's my priority and everything else has got to come after that and obviously I'll still be doing all the content but I'm just reducing it slightly to allow me to make space for that you don't want to be really successful but completely miserable and knackered that's true. And also, I just think, um, like, if you're doing something slightly creative, which I am, you can't just keep churning stuff out without losing some quality. And so I just want to have a little bit of a pivot to look at what's on the website. And is there a children's cookbook in the plan? Because, Sarah, there
0: aren't any good ones. And <laughs> I know and you, I know you so. could do Maybe that. Maybe I'll have
1: to pitch Harper Collins and
0: say that. Like actually, and what's for dinner isn't really the meal, the recipes are simple, it's not really complicated, but I suppose it would be how it looks, wouldn't it? And the kind of but like Mabel was really excited when your book arrived, they started looking through it and like they're looking at particularly we, eat a lot of ham and cheese toasties, so anything that's got <laughs> ham and cheese is it, a win, honestly. Like, I would say at well, least yeah. twice a week, <laughs> but you've got there's the one that's the ham with the egg on the top. With nice. the, cheese, the yep. baked, yeah, those that we did those and the pastries with ham and cheese in. So Mabel the other day made herself an omelette and then she wanted to make mac and cheese wow. and she's 10. And I was like, oh, great. Like, and then Buster has no, like, he'll he, he'll struggle at making toast. He's like, oh, how do I do this? And he's 12. So it's kind of, there's a whole shift going on there. But like, oh, I, oh what do I do? Like, get a plate, son. It's not that
1: hard. I think wherever there's a need I'm happy to write about it and I think yeah I think what you're talking about like kids learning to cook is such a life skill and I think I, I talk to a lot of, I listen to so many people who tell me not that they can't cook but they don't have any confidence to cook and they really feel like that pressure every night of like we can't just have chicken nuggets every night and, it, and it's a real anxiety around cooking which I think has got to come from not having had someone having a go when you're younger yeah yeah I think kids cooking is it's just such a useful life skill it's also really entertaining for them you know like when it's the school holidays or something you've got nothing to do I always think oh yeah why don't you make some cookies or something and yeah and then yeah. you get a cookie at the end as well yeah amazing. exactly that's the
0: key bit oh thank you so nice yeah. to talk to you and I'm so happy for you that it's all just going Thanks. really well because you have solidly worked for a long time and it just yeah. looks like it's really booming so
1: I think you know that when you're working really hard I'm sure you've had this but when when things are going well which obviously it has been for me it's it's a lot easier isn't it you know when you feel like you're doing good work in the world and people are enjoying it it's it all feels easier doesn't it
0: Thank you so much to Sarah and to HR staff for sponsoring this business episode. Um, after recording it, I had a conversation with the team actually about focus. I think it's just really important to Ma- maintain that and it's so easy to lose sight of what you're trying to do or what your customers want when there's all this other noise going on so it's almost Sarah talks about three monthly but I think yeah you you need to stop and go hang on are we doing everything we're supposed to be doing um, whatever your business I also love that Sarah is really honest about being strategic sometimes it seems to be almost cooler to act as if you haven't tried too hard and we're all winging it but success generally isn't a mistake and i think what sarah shows is she's had years of work and learnings that all contribute to where she is now which is the same for all of us even if it feels really hard we're learning something this is what i say to everyone a lot at work we're learning though aren't we <laughs> um thank you for listening i would massively appreciate it if you could leave a rating or review on itunes and it's always good to hear from people Um, you can also email podcast at don'tbuyherflowers.com or find me on Instagram Um, do get in touch with any thoughts or if we can help you with gifting at don't buy her flowers I'd also love to do that and I hope everyone is okay and you have a good week